لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله والد فيز بلانس الله We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him, and I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a slave servant in his messenger. Next uh, like we begin this evening in our seventh lecture in the series of lectures concerning the explanation of the essay of Al-Imam Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Qudam rahimahullah entitled Lumat al-Aytiqad al-Hadi ila sabil al-Rashad Uh, in this lecture, <coughs> we'd like to continue mentioning some of the texts from the Qur'an and Sunnah which are related to or contain some of the sifat or the characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the previous lecture, we began to mention some of the ayahs from the Qur'an related to as-sifat and from amongst them, Uh, that which was mentioned by Al-Imam Ibn Qudama Rahimahullah uh, the thing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the establishment or the confirmation of Al-Wajj or the face for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ in the face of your Lord full of majesty and honor will abide or remain forever And also the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu that you will never spend anything in the way of Allah seeking the wedge or the face of Allah except that you will be rewarded for it. And we said that based on this ayat and other similar texts from the Qur'an as well as from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam there is ijma' or consensus of the Muslim scholars concerning the confirmation of Al-Wajj or the faith for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore it's obligatory on us to confirm it without any reinterpretation, negation, comparison or giving examples uh, and we also said that this characteristic of Al-Wajj it was defined or reinterpreted by the people of deviation or those who went astray as meaning the thawab or the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Seeking the face of Allah means seeking the reward of Allah. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that his face will remain forever, it means that his reward will remain forever according to the astray sects. And we said that we refute them with three main arguments that their interpretation is contrary to the apparent text from Quran and Sunnah. And secondly, that their manner of interpretation is contrary and in contradiction to the way of understanding the Qur'an and Sunnah text of Sifat as it was understood by the early generation of the Muslims. And number three, that their interpretation has no authentic proof to support the reinterpretation of that which came to us clearly in the text of Qur'an and Sunnah. Uh, also, the second characteristic which we mentioned last week was Al-Yadan, the two hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the deviants interpreted the hand to mean Al-Ni'mah or Al-Qudra, the bounty or favor of Allah or His power. And the Shaykh or the Imam Ibn Qudama concerning this uh, particular sifa or characteristic mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Yadahu Mabusuqatan, but in fact, The two hands of Allah are widely outstretched, outstretched. And also the mention of the hadith of the Prophet which Shaykh Muhammad al-Musallam mentions in his commentary, that hadith which is reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abu Huraira 
in which he said that the Prophet وسلم, said that Yameen Allah Mal'ah, that the right hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is full and it isn't decreased by any spending. He gives freely during the night and the day until he ended that hadith by saying the grasping or the taking hold of he raises up and he brings whoever he pleases and based on this ayat and this hadith and other texts from Quran and Sunnah the scholars of the early generations of the Muslims reach consensus or ijma' that confirming the two hands for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is obligatory and it is we confirm it without making any change or reinterpretation, negating its meaning, explaining the how of it, or making examples or comparison, and that the hands of Allah, just as the face of Allah, they are real, and we understand them in a way that is suitable uh, or proper in accordance with the majesty, greatness, and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we mentioned uh, also the third sifa and nafs, the self, and Imam Ibn Qudama mentions concerning this the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relating to Isa alayhi salam ta'alamu ma fi nafsi wa la a'lamu ma fi nafsik that you know what is in my inner self but I don't know what is in yours in yourself and the Shaykh also mentioned concerning this the confirmation of self and nafs for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying the Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam in the zikr that he taught to Juwariya radiallahu anha in that hadith reported by Imam Muslim Subhanallah wa bihamdihi adab khalqihi wa rida nafsi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is declared to be free from any defect or shortcoming or whatever they have falsely attributed to him and he is to be praised the number of the creatures which he has created and to the extent that his self wa rida nafsihi to the extent that his self would be pleased wa zilat arshihi wa midada kalimatihi and the weight of his throne and the equal to the amount of ink that is used to write his words. And likewise, on this characteristic, the scholars reach consensus, so it is based on the Qur'an, as well as the Sunnah and the Ijma'ah consensus of the scholars that we affirm the fact of the sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nafs, or the self. Then, we mention, I think the last sifa that we mention is uh, al-maji' the coming and it is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Fajr, chapter 89, verse 22, وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, هَلْ يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَأْتِيَهُمُ اللَّهِ Are they waiting for anything other than that, that Allah will come to them? And in the first ayat, and your Lord, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will come. These ayats are proof uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is described with this characteristic of al-maji or coming that Allah will come as he wills whenever he wills uh, also the shaykh mentioned here the hadith that's recorded by al-Bukhari and Muslim which is also a confirmation along with these ayats from the Quran and other ayats which are too numerous to mention but we are just mentioning some samples the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the scene that will take place on Yom Qiyamah when Allah will call all the people to go to that which they worship and then they will nothing until no one will remain except those who worship Allah of the righteous and the wicked then Allah the Lord of the world would come to them so this the coming of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also a sifa or a characteristic which is confirmed both in the Quran as well as in the Sunnah and by consensus of the Muslim scholars of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And the leading sects also reinterpreted Al-Maji' to mean the coming of Allah's command. They said that Allah's command would come and we refute them and reject their saying with those, uh, in those ways that we mentioned on numerous occasions that it is contrary to the clear text of the Quran and Sunnah and it is contrary to the way of understanding the sifat that was understood by the Salaf and that there is no proof for what they have said. The next characteristic uh, which Al-Imam Ibn Qudam Rahimahullah mentions the fifth characteristic As-Sifa Al-Khamisa Ar-Rida Ar-Rida, pleasure and he mentions the saying of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, 
in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 119, Radiyallahu anhum wa radu that Allah would be pleased with them and they would be pleased with him. And Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, Hafizahullah, mentions that ar-rida, or pleasure, is one of the characteristics of Allah that's confirmed in the Qur'an, the sunnah and ijma' of the salaf. Uh, and he repeats the ayah that's mentioned by Imam Ibn Qudama that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say on the day when nothing uh, will benefit anyone or the truthful except that which except their truthfulness did we mention this sister last week? Rida we mentioned didn't we? in any case he mentions this ayah and he also mentioned the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that verily Allah will be pleased with his servant who eats something and then praises him after eating or who drinks something and praises him after drinking he said inna allaha layarda an al-abd yani that Allah would be pleased this hadith reported by a Muslim so that ar-rida or pleasure is also confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran and in the sunnah and by ijma' consensus of the Muslim ummah we should confirm it without reinterpreting, distorting its meaning, emptying it of meaning, explaining the how of it, making examples of comparison and otherwise, and we say that the pleasure of Allah is real and it is to be understood in a way that's suitable to the glory and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who went astray explain a rida by a thawab, that the pleasure of Allah it means the reward of Allah. That if Allah said he would be pleased with someone it means, it doesn't mean that he's pleased because being pleased according to them is not suitable for Allah so they will interpret it to say that it means that Allah will reward them no doubt if Allah is pleased with someone he will reward them but the meaning of being pleased and the meaning of reward is two different things so we refute them in the normal way showing that their interpretation is contrary to the apparent literal meaning of the text contrary to the manner of the salaf in understanding a sifat just as they are in face value and there is no proof to reinterpret it in this way. As-Sifa, As-Sadisa, the sixth characteristic is Al-Mahabba, or love. And here Al-Umam ibn Qudama mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbuna. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves them and they will love him. And this is concerning the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to those who believe, don't turn back. Yani, that whoever turns back apostates from their deen then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring the people يعني, فسوف يأتي, فسوف that Allah would replace them or bring the people whom he would love and they would love him uh, and here also the Prophet sallallahu mentioned the hadith that's reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim that uh, that the Prophet sallallahu said that he would give the flag to a, a man Rajulun or Rajulan Yuhibullah or Rasuluhu or Yuhibbuhullah or Rasuluhu that a person who, who loves Allah and his messenger and Allah and his messenger also loves him and that was in the day of Khaybar when the Muslims were going to attack the Jews and here in this hadith it is mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved this person so this is a confirmation from the Quran as well as the Sunnah and Ijma of the scholars of the Muslim Ummah and they also interpreted Mahabba with the same meaning as a thawab or reward that when Allah says he loves someone he doesn't really love because love is a human characteristic according to them they said it means that he will reward them and we say that we affirm what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has affirmed for himself and what the Prophet has affirmed for him just as it is with its literal meaning as long as there isn't something that indicates or shows clearly that he means something different. Then we take it literally just as did the early generations of the Muslims. The next characteristic, as-sifa as-sabi'ah, the seventh characteristic is al-ghadab, al-ghadab, anger. And here, Al-Imad al-Qudama, rahimahullah, mentions from Surah Al-Fatih, chapter 48, verse 6, وَغَدِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَعَنَهُمْ وَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ وَسَاعَتْ مَصِيرًا And we just mentioned the part of the ayah وَغَلِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ That Allah would be angry with them The hypocrites and the mushrikeen Male and female from amongst them He says that Allah would be angry with them And Allah would curse them 
and Allah has prepared for them hellfire, a blazing fire and evil is it as a destination. Sheikh Muhammad in Salah al mentions that Al-Ghadab or anger is one of the confirmed characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirmed by the Quran, the Sunnah and Ijma of the Salaf. And he also mentions uh, beside this ayah from Surah Al-Fat chapter 48 verse 6 he mentions a similar ayah from Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 93 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah will, was angry or, or the wrath of Allah is upon that person and he curses him and Allah has prepared for him a terrible punishment and this is in reference this ayah was revealed uh, as understood from the beginning of the ayah it's revealed in reference to a person who kills a believer intentionally then his reward would be hellfire he would remain in it forever and Allah would be angry with him and Allah would curse him and Allah is prepared for an evil or a terrible severe punishment so al-ghadab the anger of Allah the wrath of Allah is confirmed by the Quran and it's also confirmed in the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, in which he said in the Hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim إن الله كتب كتابا عنده فوق العرش إن رحمتي تغلب غضبي that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written in a book with him above his throne and this is also confirmation of Allah being above the throne فوق العرش he has written in a book عنده فوق العرش that is with him above the throne إن رحمتي Verily, my mercy, Taghlibu Ghadabi, overcomes my wrath. And Al Ghadab, also, it has been confirmed by consensus of the early generations of the Muslims. <coughs> Therefore, it is obligatory on us to confirm it without any reinterpretation, emptying of its meaning, trying to explain the how of it, or asking about the how of it, or giving it comparisons or examples, but we accept it as it is on face value. It is a real anger in a way that is appropriate or suitable to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like all of the sifat of Allah are suitable for him just as the sifat of the creatures are suitable for them the people who deviated or went astray explained the ahlu ta'atil the people who made ta'atil they explained that ghadab, the ghadab of Allah it means intiqam it means revenge they said that Allah he doesn't get angry but when he says he gets angry he really means that he takes revenge no doubt if someone gets angry they may take revenge or they may not they may not be capable but the meaning of anger is one thing and the meaning of revenge is another thing so we reject such interpretation uh, and we uh, refute them saying that this is this interpretation is contrary to the literal clear meaning of the word it is contrary to the way of understanding of the Salaf the early generation of Muslims and there is no proof to substantiate what they have said. In addition, Sheikh Muhammad Hafizullah mentions a fourth refutation against them concerning the sifa of Al-Ghadab and he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran in Surah Al-Zukhruf uh, verse 55 he mentions when they angered us and when they made us angry when the people made and Fir'aun and his people, when Allah became angry with them, أَنْفَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ Then we took revenge against them. يعني Allah mentions this ayah, both that when he became angry, then he took revenge. So this is the proof that there is a difference between anger from revenge. Uh, so in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا أَسَفُونَا When they angered us, أَنْفَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ We took revenge from them, and we punished them. فَأَغْرَقَنَاهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ And we drowned them all. وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ سَلَفًا وَمَثَلًا لِلْآخَرِينَ And we made them as a precedent and as an example for the people who will come later after them. A lesson for the people coming after them. So, so also then the sifa of ghalab is confirmed in the Quran and in the Sunnah and in the, by ijma of the early generations of the Muslims. The next sifa, al-sifa, الثامنه the eighth characteristic is the characteristic of سخط that Allah becomes enraged يعني the saying of Allah سبحانه وتعالى in Surah Muhammad chapter 47 verse 28 اتبعوا ما أصخ 
Allah, that they followed that which injured Allah. Yani the people uh, who disobeyed Allah and disobeyed the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi instead of following the Quran and the example or the instructions of the Prophet sallallahu instead they followed that which injured or enraged Allah subhanahu wa taala. And this here, the Sheikh mentions this ayah as well. He mentions uh, another ayah for a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi The hadith reported by Imam Muslim on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha. And it was, يعني, this statement is contained in the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi He said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bi ridaqa min saqatik. That I, oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. In your pleasure, I seek refuge in your pleasure from your displeasure or your anger. Uh, and I seek refuge in uh, and I seek refuge in you and to protect me from harm coming to me uh, from your from your punishment. This hadith is reported by Imam Muslim and is a confirmation that Allah becomes displeased, that Allah becomes angry or enraged with the people, and we seek refuge from Allah's displeasure in Allah's pleasure, by doing that which earns His pleasure by obeying Him. Also, the Shaykh says here that it is confirmed by Ijma, it is confirmed by Ijma of the scholars that uh, a sakhat it is a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a characteristic that should be confirmed without making any reinterpretation or cancellation or negation or explaining the how of it it is a real characteristic and it should be understood in a way that is suitable or appropriate for the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this sifa sakhat becoming that Allah becomes angry or enraged it is uh, interpreted by the people of Ta'atil for those who reinterpreted or negated the meanings of the sifat of Allah they said it means intiqam as anger they said the ghadab means intiqam means taking revenge and we treat them in the same way saying that such an interpretation is contrary to the obvious literal meaning of the text it's contrary to the way that sifats were understood by the early generation of the Muslims and there is no proof to give it such an interpretation. The next characteristic is Atasya or the name Sifa Atasya Al-Kiraha that is detesting something or disliking something. Al-Kiraha it is of those sifat of Allah that he detests or dislikes or hates those who deserve to be hated and it is confirmed by the Quran, the Sunnah and Ijma of the Salaf. Uh, and here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Tawbah, chapter 9, <coughs> verse 46, the saying of Allah, But Allah hated or detested or disliked that they be sent forth, yani that the hypocrites be sent forth along with the believers. And this is mentioned in reference to jihad when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَوْ أَرَادُوا الْخُرُوجِ لَعَدُّ لَهُ عُدَّةِ But if they had really wanted to go out with the believers, they would have made some preparation. وَلَكِنْ كَرِحَ اللَّهِ إِنْ But Allah disliked that they go forth. So they sat back with the women and those who didn't go forth. They sat back with those who stayed behind. Allah caused them to stay behind. He didn't want them to mix with the believers. So here, Al-Kiraha, Walakin Kariha Allah. Allah disliked or detested or hated. <coughs> and something is confirmed as a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> and it is also confirmed in the hadith of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And the wording of this hadith is from Muslim on the authority of Al-Mughayrah ibn Shu'aba, radiallahu anhu. He said that the Muslim of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Inna Allah kariha lakum. That Allah detests for you, it was said or someone said, gossiping. Allah 
dislikes, he hates, he detests such. وَكَثْرَةَ السُّوَالِ And he dislikes or detests or hates too much questioning, yani for which there is no need, yani questioning about things for which there is no benefit. وَعِضَعَةَ الْمَالِ And wasting wealth or money. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَرِحَ لَكُمْ قِيلَ وَقَالْ وَكَثْرَةَ السُّوَالِ وَعِضَعَةَ الْمَالِ And this hadith has been reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So it shows that Allah dislikes or detests or hates something and this sifa has been confirmed by consensus of the scholars therefore it is obligatory on us to confirm it or to affirm it without making any change, negation, comparison explaining how or asking how or other such any actions of the people of deviation uh, it is a real characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be understood in a way that is suitable to His Majesty and glory and it has been explained Al-Kiraha has been explained by the people of Ka'atil, those who empty the sifat of Allah, they were meaning, they explained it to mean Al-Ibaad. But if Allah dislikes someone or something, then He makes it far removed. And we refute them in the same way, saying that such an interpretation is not in accordance with the literal text, nor is it the way of the scholars of the early generation of the Muslims to reinterpret things without a proof and since there is no proof for it we reject such an interpretation uh, this is the last of the sifat that's mentioned by Imam Ibn Qudam rahimahullah in this chapter of the sifat that are, or the ayat of Quran that are related to sifat and the next chapter is the chapter of the ahadith of the Prophet وسلم, related to as-sifat and before we enter this chapter I just wanted to mention, as I was going through the book, I noticed that <coughs> there are some hadith which are mentioned in the text of the book. And because they are mentioned in the text of the book, we cannot overlook them or pass by them. Some of those hadith mentioned by Imam Ibn Qudama are hadith which are considered, according to the best opinion, as being unauthentic. Though some of them were difference of opinion, some of the scholars considered them to be authentic, and some of them said, no, they are not authentic. But in researching those hadith, it seems to be uh, more correct the conclusion or the opinion or the ruling of those who said that uh, the hadith is not authentic. So I wanted, <coughs> before proceeding and mentioning the text of this chapter, I wanted to briefly mention concerning the matter of the hadith of the Prophet <coughs> a basic principle. And it is in the books of Mustalah Hadith or the Science the study of hadith, the scholars uh, always used to mention that it was an established qaida or a principle or a rule that the scholars of hadith accepted if they mentioned a hadith which was not authentic they were excused or free of blame as long as they mentioned the isnad of the hadith and as long as the chain of narratives is mentioned along with the hadith and there is no blame on that scholar because it was possible it was the ismail of the hadith is the means to know about its authenticity Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah is quoted as saying uh, that there is a qaida or a principle with the scholars of hadith that if a scholar of hadith mentions the text of a hadith along with its chain of narrators فَقَدْ بُرِعَتْ أُحْدَتُهُ مِنْهُ يعني then that person who mentions the text of the hadith along with the isnad they become free of blame يعني they become free of blame and there is no responsibility upon him or there is no blame for mentioning such a hadith as long as he has accompanied the text of the hadith with the means the means, meaning the chain of narrator, it is the means through which a scholar is able to know whether or not that hadith is authentic or not authentic. Yani, as long as they mention the ismad, then they are free of blame. Then the Shaykh says, nonetheless, even though that is a rule accepted by the scholars of hadith, it would have been better if they had followed the mention of that hadith with a clarification of the degree of its authenticity or its weakness. If they had mentioned it, this was more proper and better. But the reality uh, 
shows us or makes us to know that it wasn't possible for every one of the scholars to do so. Yeah, to mention the grade of every hadith which they reported, especially since the number of hadith that many of them reported were very, very, very many. Some of them reported 100,000 hadith, 200,000 hadith, 300,000 hadith, and the Sheikh says that the reality is it wasn't possible that every one of them could have mentioned the grade of every hadith since there were so many and there are many reasons for this and this is not the place to mention the reasons but he, he said that he will mention the most important of them and the most important reason that he mentioned concerning this is that many hadith it is very difficult to see the or to know the authenticity of it or the weakness of it except by collecting all of the chains of narrators that that text came by yani the text of a hadith the metin usually came through various chains of narrators, various ismat or asanid. And the only way to know if a hadith really is authentic or not, or many times, the only way to know is to collect all of the asanid. Because one ismat, it may contain some weakness, or questionable narrator, or something. But if you bring the other chains, you might find that they support it, and from that way you can declare that hadith to be authentic, hasan or sahih. But if you don't bring those chains, it will not become clear about the grade of the hadith because you're only looking at one chain and there are many other chains through which that text or that metal was married. Therefore, the shaykh is making an excuse for the scholars and this is the way of Ahlul Sunnah al-Jumaa that we always look for an excuse for our scholars and not look at them in a bad way but we look in the, we try to give them the benefit of the doubt and put the best construction because we know that they were the best of people. So he says that uh, many of them had an excuse and perhaps the most important of that excuse was that they were preoccupied in collecting the sunnah, in trying to preserve the sunnah before it was lost, just collecting the hadith. And in the early generation of the Muslims, in the time of Sahaba, and particularly in the time of Tabi'in and Atba'a Tabi'in, they were mostly collecting the hadith without looking to the authenticity of it, without looking to the fiqh of the hadith, without looking to anything except trying to gather all of the hadith that were available so that they would be preserved. And the later generations began to collect those hadith into categories, yani hadith of Tahara in the book of Tahara, hadith of Salat in the book of Salat, hadith of Zakat in the book of Zakat, and so on. And after that, in the time of Imam Bukhari, the time of examining the authenticity of hadith and paying attention, careful attention to those hadith which are Sahih and those which are Da'if, that time came later, and Imam Al-Bukhari was the leader of that era, and Imam Muslim, rahimahumullah, also was along with him in the effort that was made from their time to begin to sift out the authentic from the unauthentic. But in the earlier period, the main objective of the scholars was to collect the sunnah. So they spent their time in doing so, and therefore they had an excuse for collecting those hadith in their books, and sometimes mentioning them uh, without mentioning the grade of the hadith, as long as they mentioned the chain of narrators. So we accept this as an excuse for our scholars, and we, because the hadith have now been collected, alhamdulillah, the scholars from the time of Al-Iman Bukhari, and Muslim, and Ibn Khuzayma, Ibn Hibban, Al-Hakam, many of them began to try to separate those hadith which are authentic from those which are not. And therefore, we are fortunate to have the Ani passed down to us, the work already being done, the hadith, and also the clarification for, to a great degree of those which are authentic and those which are not. So for us, it is better that we only mention the hadith which is authentic or mention the grade of the hadith if it is sahih or hasan or da'if and not simply to do as they did in the early generations, just mention the hadith as long as it's with its isnad and not say if it is authentic or not. But for us today, uh, there is no excuse for us, but it is much easier for us to look to the books of the scholars to clarify the authenticity of hadith and only mention those which are sahih, authentic, or hasan, those hadith which are good and reliable and also accepted as a proof and make clear any hadith which is da'if or weak or mawdu' or fabricated uh, whenever we attribute anything to the Prophet or when we come across anything that has been ascribed to him. I hope that what I have said is somewhat clear. If it's not completely clear, inshallah, uh, in the time of questions we can discuss it further or as we go along when we talk about hadith in future uh, occasions we can discuss it further. Anyway, this is just a general idea to, uh, as an introduction uh, due to the fact that some hadith are coming which 
have been mentioned by Imam Ibn Khudama, rahimahullah, which have been declared by some of the scholars as being unauthentic. Uh, point number 13, which is on the handout for today, uh, for lecture number 7, the mention of some of the hadith which contain sifat, characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ibn Khudama mentions, وَمِنَ السُنَّةِ قَوْلُ نَبِيهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَنْزِلُ ربنا تبارك وتعالى كل ليلة إلى السماء الدنيا. That from the Sunnah, that which is related to the Sifat is the same in the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم that our Lord, the Blessed and Most High, descends every night to the lowest heaven when there remains a third of the night. And the rest of the Hadith he didn't mention, but the rest of the Hadith is حين يبقى ثلث الليل الآخر يقول من يدعوني فأستجيب له. When there is one third remaining in the night, Allah descends to the Sama Dunya, the lowest heaven, the one that is close to the earth. And in that time, He says, Who will supplicate to me? So I may answer Him, And who will ask me for anything or request from me something so that I may give it to Him? To him and who will seek forgiveness for me so that, so that I may forgive Him? This is Asifa al Ashira, the tenth characteristic that is affirmed by Allah, affirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is النزول ينزل ربنا تبارك wa ta'ala that Allah descends in the last third of the night to the sama dunya, the heaven of this world. Here the shaykh says that descending النزول, the descending of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the lowest heaven or the heaven of this earth, this descent is a characteristic that is affirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sunnah as well as in the ijma' or consensus of the salaf the scholars of the early generations of the Muslims. This hadith is reported in Al-Bukhari on the authority of Abu Hurairah and it is also reported by al Imam Muslim. This characteristic is confirmed in this hadith and there are other similar hadith which also confirm and muzul of the sending of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it has also been confirmed by consensus or ijma' of the early generations of the Muslims. Therefore, we are required to affirm it without any distortion of its meaning, emptying it of its meaning, trying to explain the how of it, or asking how does Allah descend, nor making an example or comparison uh, between the characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of al-nuzul and the characteristic of the creatures of descending. It is an attribute or a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is real, and it should be understood in a way that is appropriate to or suitable to the majesty of Allah. The scholars, the Ahl Ta'atil, the people of negation or emptying of the sifat of Allah, who deviated from the way of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah, explain the nuzul of Allah. They said it means nuzul amrihi, aw rahmatihi, aw malak min malaikatihi. That the nuzul of Allah, when the Prophet said Allah sends in the last third of the night, they said it means the nuzul of his command, the descending of his amr, his command or the descending of his rahmah, his mercy, or the descending of a malak min malaikatihi, or one of his angels. They said here that the meaning of Allah descends, it means Allah's command descends, or Allah's mercy descends, or one of Allah's angels descends. And we reject this interpretation as we did the others by saying that such an interpretation is contrary to the literal apparent meaning of the text, and it is not in accordance with the way the Salaf used to understand that sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to their face value and as well there is no proof for such interpretation Allah's mercy it doesn't just descend in the last third of the night but it descends always and the shaykh says that we refute it in these three ways but also we refute it in a fourth way by saying that the command of Allah and the mercy of Allah and the angels of Allah it is not possible for this to refer to them because, uh, because the Prophet said in this hadith that Allah descends in the last third of the night فَيَقُولُ مَنْ يَبْعُونِي فَأَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ and he says who will supplicate to me so I may answer them so does Allah's Rahmah say who will supplicate to me so I may answer them does Allah's Rahmah say who will ask me for something so I may give them how can it mean the Rahmah of Allah or the command of Allah the angel of Allah because even the angels we don't supplicate the angels but we only supplicate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself so this is a fourth proof against such interpretation uh, in addition to the fact that the mercy of Allah and the commands of Allah and the angels of Allah don't only descend in the last night, but they descend 
day and night. As reported in other hadith, that the angels who come in the morning at the time of Fajr and the angels who come in the evening and change places alternating uh, those who are coming with those who are leaving. Then the statement of Imam Ibn Qudamah, uh, which is, is a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu saying, يَعْجَبُ رَبُّكَ مِنَ الشَّابِ لَيْسَتْ لَهُ صَبْوَةً the statement of the Prophet ﷺ that your Lord is amazed, al-ajab, that your Lord is amazed or wonders concerning the young person who is not inclined towards al-hawa, al-hawa, passions or pleasures or whims. A young person who is not inclined towards fulfilling his passions or pleasures or whims. And a young person who is inclined towards obedience to Allah and not towards their own desires. It is reported in this hadith, and that hadith is reported in the Musnad Imam Ahmed. It was declared by Shaykh Al-Albani, rahimahullah, to be a weak hadith. And he mentioned it in his book, Sufla Al-Hadith Al-Da'ifa, hadith number 2426. Uh, in any case, though this hadith is declared to be weak, but Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih Uthaymeen mentions uh, another proof and that proof for al-ajab amazement or wonder as a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is confirmed and that he says it is confirmed in the Quran and the Sunnah and Ijma' of the Salaf it is confirmed in Quran in Surah Al-Safat chapter 37 verse 12 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bal this reading of the Qur'an, Bal Ajibtu, is not the reading of the majority of the scholars. The reading of the majority of the scholars, Bal Ajibta wa Yaskharun. And the difference in the meaning, Bal Ajibta, it is referring to the Prophet وسلم, that you have been amazed, that you, Anta, Ya Rasulullah, you are amazed at the response of the disbelievers in rejecting the Qur'an, and rejecting the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and rejecting the proofs of Allah's right to be worshipped that you are amazed at how they responded because the Prophet when the Quran was revealed he thought that anyone who heard it would believe in it and when the disbelievers rejected it not only rejected it, they made mockery of him and that which was revealed to him then Allah according to the reading of the majority means that you are amazed while they are making mockery uh, but some of the scholars also read this ayat Bal Instead of fatta with dhamma, bal ajibtu and the meaning of that I, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I am amazed. Uh, while they make mockery. This reading, it is the reading of some of the scholars of Kira'a of Quran, Hamza and Al Kasai, who were famous scholars of, re- of the various readings of the Quran. They read it with dhamma and said, that this reading was reported from Ali ibn Abi Talib that he read the Quran in this manner and it was also reported as the reading of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhum and Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum ajma'in yani that Ali ibn Abi Talib, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Abdullah ibn Abbas all of them read the Quran in this manner Therefore, we accept it as being a legitimate reading. It is accepted by the scholars of Qiraat or the various ways in which the Quran can be read as a legitimate reading, though it's not the reading of the majority, but it is a legitimate reading, and <coughs> uh, it has been confirmed. Therefore, this is one confirmation of al-ajab, or amazement or wonder for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But of course, al-ajab for Allah, it is a characteristic like with other characteristics that should be understood in a way that is suitable to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Imam al-Shawkani mentions in his tafsir of the Quran concerning this ayat, he said that al-ajab, he, he quotes some of the scholars, al-Farah, one of the scholars of reading, is saying, wal-ajab, in usnida ila Allah, falaysa ma'anahu min Allah kama'anahu min al-ibad. That if al-ajab is, uh, is affirmed or attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then its meaning for Allah is not like its meaning for the servants of Allah. And the meaning for the creatures is different than the meaning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also he quoted, the some of the scholars said that really the meaning is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing us about himself. 
with this characteristic of al-ajab that there appears from him, from his command or from his affair or from his anger that he became angry with the disbelievers or not uh, became angry but يعني, his response to the disbelievers due to their disbelieving in that which they were called to or that which they invited to that his response or his reaction to that it is uh, the response that uh, that is in the place where the where al-ajab it would be attributed to the creatures يعني, that if somebody saw how they responded it would be ajeeb, it would be amazing or astonishing to them. And so also the response of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to their, uh, to their rejection, it is referred to by al-ajab. But the meaning of al-ajab here is as uh, the scholars said, that when it's attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it, it, is, it should be understood in a way that is suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Shaykh Uthameen mentioned something concerning this, inshallah, that clarifies it. In any case, uh, this uh, ayah has been mentioned and also Shaykh Muhammad says that there is ijma' or consensus of the scholars for affirmation of al-ajab or amazement as a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should confirm it without making any alteration in its meaning, distortion, emptying it, explaining the how of it or asking the how of it or making comparison or examples. It should be understood in a way that's suitable to Allah. There are other hadith which are clearly authentic about which there is no doubt and from amongst them is the hadith reported by Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu and is rec- rec- recorded by Al-Imam al-Bukhari in which the Prophet sallallahu is reported to have said عجب الله يعني that Allah is amazed من قوم يدخلون الجنة في السلاسل that Allah is amazed at a people who enter the paradise in chains who enter the paradise in chains. And Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Iskalani mentions the discussion of the scholars between this hadith and explains that the meaning of this hadith as reported in other narrations it means that some of the people would enter the paradise in chains meaning that they would fight against the Muslims and be taken captive. They would be taken captive. They would be in chains and due to their captivity in the, with the Muslims they came to know about Islam and they embraced Islam and therefore they entered paradise as a result of their imprisonment. This is the meaning that some people would enter paradise in chains. And they would enter paradise due to the fact that they were taken captive in war against the Muslims. And also another hadith was reported by Al-Man al-Bukhari uh, on the authority of Abu Hurairah which confirms Al-Ajab as a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the saying of the Prophet concerning people, someone who came to him seeking uh, seeking some food and the Prophet sent to his wives for some food but no one had anything then he asked who would take this person as a guest for me and one man stood up and said I would take them I would take him and he took him to his house and found out that there was no food there either except the food, the dinner for the children his wife said we have no food except the dinner for the children he said then put the children to sleep and uh, don't hold back anything that we have but give our guests whatever we have to eat turn out the lights and we will make believe we are eating yani they, did, they didn't even eat but only their guests ate and concerning this occasion the Prophet said لَقَدْ عَجِبَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ أَوْ دَحِكَ مِنْ فُلَانَ أَوْ مِنْ فُلَانَ وَفُلَانَ فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَى أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانُوا بِهِمْ Allah is amazed at such and such a person, a man, this man and his wife, at what they had done. Allah was amazed at it. Allah, so Allah revealed this ayat that they give preference over their own selves. They give preference to others over their own selves even though they were really in need. And even though they were in need, they gave preference to others. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was amazed with this. And it was something amazing. Uh, here the Sheikh says that Al-Ajab it has been interpreted by the people of Ta'atil as meaning Al-Majazat that Allah He rewards that when He says He is amazed about someone or something it means that He rewards them 
and we reject this interpretation in the same way we rejected previous interpretations that is contrary to the literal meaning of the text it is not in accordance with the way that sifat should be understood and there is no proof for interpreting it as such because Allah mentions many ayahs in the, in the Quran where he rewards those who do good deeds but if Allah said ajib if he was yani, amazed at something then the meaning should be confirmed as it is in the Arabic language without interpretation or comparison or negation the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen Hafizullah says Al-Ajab is of two types there are two types of Al-Ajab one of them is the person's reaction that is produced because they are amazed about something that they can't understand what was the reason yani they don't know what was the reason for such a thing if you see something and you don't understand how it happened you'll be amazed how did this happen you're astonished because you don't know how or why it happened this is one type of amazement and this type of, ma- of amazement is impossible to be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah knows everything nothing is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the other type of ajab it is that something happens which is outside of the normal something very 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 good is done or happens which is outside of what normally happens it is an extraordinary thing and therefore this is also a cause or reason for ajab that someone be amazed or something happens bad which is not proper that it should happen and you are surprised that it happened and this is also يعني, a cause or reason for ajab something good that happens which is outside of the ordinary or something bad happens that shouldn't be happen, happening while you know why it happened يعني, while knowing why it happened and this is the type of ajab that is attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his response or his reaction to somebody or someone who does something good which is outside of the ordinary while Allah knows why they did it or they do something bad uh, like rejecting the truth while Allah knows why they did it this is referred to as al-ajab and it is a characteristic attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the next uh, characteristic Al-Sifah al-Thaniyata Ashara The twelfth characteristic is Al-Dahaq Dahaq Laughter or laughing And here Al-Imam Ibn Qudam Rahimahullah Mentions the saying Of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Allah ila rajulaini Qatala ahaduhuma al-akhar Allah laughs at two men One of them kills the other then both of them enter the paradise this hadith uh, it is reported in Al-Bukhari on the authority of Abu Huraira and the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that a dahiq or laughter is affirmed as a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both in the sunnah as well as in the ijma' or consensus of the scholars uh, he mentions that hadith that the Prophet said that Allah laughed at two men, one of them killed the other, while both of them entered the paradise. And the rest of the hadith is reported in some of the narrations. It says, يُقَاتِلُ هَذَا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَيُقْتَلْ ثَمَّ يَتُوبُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْقَاتِلِ فَيَسْتَشْهِدُ يعني That a person fights in the way of Allah, a believer, and he is killed. Therefore he enters paradise. Then Allah accepts the repentance of the killer and allows that person to enter Islam and then he is also killed as a Muslim so he also enters paradise yeah, I mean the killer who killed a Muslim became a Muslim and Allah took the repentance from him and allowed him to be killed also as a shaheed in the way of Allah therefore both of them entered the paradise here in this hadith it is mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laughs Yadhaqullah the Shaykh says that this characteristic of dahiq or laughter has been confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ijma' of the scholars and therefore we must affirm it without making any reinterpretation negating its meaning, explaining the how, making examples of comparisons or otherwise and that it is a real characteristic that should be understood in a way that's appropriate or suitable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The people of Ta'atil, the negators or re-explainers of the sifat of Allah explain that dahiq, it means a thawab and reward they say that Allah laughs about those two people means that he rewards the two of them now he rewards them but still 
الداحق is confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the authentic sunnah and the scholars of the salaf agreed upon it by consensus therefore we refute such interpretation as we refuted the previous interpretations point number 14 Al-Imam Ibn Qadana says فَهَذَا وَمَا أَشْبَهُهُ مِمَّا صَحَّ سَنَدُهُ وَعَبِّلَتْ رُوَاتُهُ نُؤْمِنْ بِهِ وَلَا نَرُدُّهُ وَلَا نَجْهَدُهُ وَلَا نَتَأَوَّلُهُ بِتَأْوِيلْ يُخَالِفْ ظَاهِرُهُ But these things, uh, these narrations and others similar, similar to them from those whose chains, whose chains of narratives, the isnads are sahih and the narratives themselves are acceptable, reliable narratives, يُؤْمِنُ بِهِ These narrations and those which are similar to them which are sahih we believe in them and we don't reject them and we don't negate it or deny it nor do we re-explain it with an interpretation or, a trend or explanation which is contradictory to the apparent literal meaning of the text nor do we make comparisons with the sifat of the creatures Yani making a comparison between the sifat of Allah with the sifat of His creatures. وَلَا بِسِمَاتِ الْمُحْدِثِينَ Nor do we make comparison yani, to or, or use the meanings or the features or traits given to Allah's sifat by the innovators. Yani we don't reinterpret or give the meanings. Not only we don't make comparison, but we don't give meanings to the sifat of Allah uh, or characteristics or traits that have been invented by the innovators. وَنَعْلَمُ أَنَّ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى لَا شَبِيحٌ لَهُ وَلَا نَظِيرٌ And we know with certainty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no one or nothing similar to him لَا شَبِيحٌ لَهُ وَلَا نَظِيرٌ And no one equal to him as Allah says in the Qur'an لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِيلُ الْبَصِيرُ So to sure of verse 11 that there is nothing like him and he is the hearing, the seeing then he closes, Al-Mahdi closes by saying, وَكُلُّ مَا تَخَيَّلَ فِي الذِّهْنِ أَوْ خَطَرْ بِالْبَالِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى بِخِلَافِهِ Yani that any idea or thought that comes to one's mind, any idea that you come, come to your mind about how is Allah's sifat, any description that you think of or you imagine in your imagination, then know for sure that Allah is different from that. Whatever came in your mind, it is from what you have seen or experienced in the world of the created things. So whatever you imagine in your mind from anything in the creation, whether it's something that you have seen in the creation, or if you have taken parts of the creation and put it together to make something new, all of that is creation. And so whatever thought comes to your mind or to your imagination that you try to describe Allah with, know for sure that Allah is different from that. Uh, maybe we should stop here and uh, see if there are any questions or anything. Uh, how much time is remaining before the other? Three to five minutes? Faster, more time. Okay, then let us stop here uh, and look at some of the questions. If perhaps some of those questions can be answered from what we've covered so far. Uh, on the second page of the handout, the second page, questions How did the deviants interpret Allah's descending, Nuzul, in the last third of the night? He said that they said that Allah's descending doesn't mean that he descends, but it means that Allah's command descends. Or, Rahmah, Allah's mercy descends. Or, Malak min malaikatihi, or one of his angels descends. All of such interpretations. I mean, we don't deny that Allah's command descends, and Allah's mercy descends, and the angels descend. But this is not the meaning that is affirmed by the literal, clear uh, text of the hadith. Also, how did they interpret the characteristic of Allah of laughing, dahik? How did the people of Ta'wil explain dahik, laughing? Thawab. They said that Allah is laughing at the two men, one of them killed the other, and they both into paradise. It means that Allah rewarded them. He gave them his thawab. And the next question we didn't reach yet. How did they interpret the ascending al-istawa of Allah above the throne? Uh, we didn't reach that one yet, we'll take it inshallah in the next lecture, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. Question number four, what is the manner of Ahlul Sunnah concerning understanding the sifat of Allah? Yani, the Sunnah, how do we understand the sifat of Allah? What is our position or our posture 
concerning ayats from the Quran or hadith that contain characteristics of Allah. How do we view it? How do we understand it? How do we see it? Naam. Naam. We don't make comparisons, tashbih, we don't make examples, tamthil, we don't negate them, la naruddhu rad, or we don't empty it from its meaning, ta'atil. But we understand it as it is in its literal meaning. Yani surface, face value. We take it just as it is without any interpretation, negation, or denial. We affirm it, and we affirm it in a way that is suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani the sifat of the human beings or creatures are appropriate for the creatures, are suitable for the creatures. And the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are suitable for him. Uh, how can we answer the false interpretations of the astray groups? And how do we respond to those who make such interpretations? What are some of the ways that we respond to them? Naam, that their interpretation is contradictory to the literal apparent meaning of the text of the ayah from the Quran or the Hadith. And the Arabic language is clear, we should understand it just as it is. Naam, and it's also contradictory to the understanding or the methodology of the Salaf. How they understood things on face value, this is contradictory to the way and we are required to follow them. And the Prophet asked us to follow the Sahaba and those who followed in their way. Uh, and also, the third way that we respond to them of the main ways of refutation is we say to them, bring your proof that your interpretation has no authentic proof. If it doesn't have any authentic proof, then how can we accept it? Okay, those are the questions. Uh, if there are any other questions concerning what we discussed tonight, or any comments or corrections before the event. Now. What's the difference between Ghadab and Sakhat? Uh, In any case, anger or being enraged, it is an attempt in English to, to translate the meaning of these words. It is not really, we are not saying that this is actually the meaning, but we are attempting to put something in the English language so that we can follow the, the discussion. But no doubt that Ghadab and Sakhat and, and Kiraha, they have different meanings in Arabic language. Though their meanings are similar, they are close. Just as in English, anger, being enraged, hating, disliking, each of these words have their own particular meanings, though they may be similar. If you say you dislike something, or you detest it, or you hate it, the meanings are similar, but not exactly the same. So also in Arabic, the meanings may be similar, but they are not exactly the same. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in some places in the Qur'an use the expression ghadab, and in other places he use kiraha, kariha, and in other places he use sakhita, then we also understand that these characteristics should be confirmed for him. As far as their exact meaning, in English it's difficult to say what is their exact meaning, but we just accept that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used different words in the Qur'an, though those words may have similar meaning even in Arabic language, there is some slight difference between them. One of them may have a different, yani, slightly different meaning or more intensified meaning or so on like this. We understand that there is some difference in the meaning uh, and that there is some benefit in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself in one place with ghadab and in another place with kiraha. But he describes himself in one place with rida, pleasure, and in another place mahabba, love. Yani, there's, there's, there's definitely some difference in the meaning, also the exact meaning. Uh, I found difficulty even in interpreting them, putting them into English. Yani, placing them in English was difficult, was difficult enough. As for really trying to give yani, further explanation of them, it's really difficult. But the important thing is to know that the general idea that we understand from such expressions, that these are confirmed for Allah, but the manner of them, obviously, is different for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, the response of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the disbelievers when they disobey Him, when they commit sin, when they kill the believers, when they do whatever. The response of Allah is ghadab. 
is kariha, is sakhar. This is how he responds to them. It's exactly what the meaning of Allah Allah, I'm afraid to, to make any further any translation. Even I don't want to place the meanings in English, but we have to say something. Only for that reason we, get, we attempt to make some translation. And Allah knows that perhaps we might in the future try to look at what some of the scholars said concerning the sifat of Allah in more detail and how they translated or how they interpreted some of these sifat. There are books where the scholars in the books of hadith and in tafsir where they gave some uh, further definitions of some of those sifat. Uh, but it will take time to do that. Actually I have looked at some of them in order to make these translations. But to read all of the discussion is very long. So it will suffice just to kind of try to give a translation to it and take the general meaning and Allah knows best. Anyway, inshallah, in the next meeting we will take uh, point number 15, from point number 15, inshallah, uh, and that which follows it from amongst the sifat that are contained in some of the hadith of the Prophet wasallam before going on to the next chapter, which I think the next chapter is concerning al-kalam or the speech of Allah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka. إنهم يكيدون كيدا